You're listening to episode 173 of Mid-America Reformed Seminary's Roundtable Podcast. In this broadcast, the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchbor, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. Having addressed what family visitation is in the context of the church last time, in this episode, Reverend Paul Ipema will be exploring the do's and don'ts of family visits, as well as some practical tips for pastors and elders on how to conduct them in a respectful and effective manner. So whether you're a church leader looking to improve your pastoral care skills or a congregant curious about what to expect from a family visit, stay tuned for an informative and thought-provoking conversation. This next podcast uh, on family visitation, I'd like to speak about the practice of family visitation, uh, mentioning several things uh, in this particular podcast. First of all, how much should the pastor uh, participate in the practice of family visitation? I can tell you from my own pastoral experience that uh, some churches prefer that the pastor not participate or that he focus on other aspects of pastoral ministry. And then I have been in one congregation, at least, where I was involved uh, extensively in family visitation. That was in a smaller church planting situation, so I was asked to participate in many of the family visits that we made. But I think there's uh, no set rule for uh, the extent to which the pastor should assist the elders. I think there's benefit for the pastor Uh, and for the elders, uh, but for the pastor going along with the elders. I think not only does the pastor get to know the congregation uh, face-to-face in a a setting where they're at home, uh, but also it can be an opportunity for a pastor to train uh, especially newer elders on how to do that work well. Uh, Oftentimes we assume that uh, those who are newly elected to that office uh, know how to do that work, and I think uh, it, it's incumbent upon us as pastors and leaders in the church to uh, devote ourselves to training uh, the leaders of the church to do that work well, as well as all their other aspects of work. I, I have made it a practice over the years to make sure that we spend sufficient time at elders meetings or council meetings going over different aspects of pastoral ministry, uh, the whys and the hows of what we do, but also I have made it a practice over the years to uh, set times of of office bear training. Um, in fact, in two of the churches I served, that was the practice or the requirement that if you were serving your office for the first time, either as a, a deacon or as an elder, you were required to go through a course of uh, office bear training. I, I still think that's a great practice. Um, that can be done in the local church. I also think that if there are a number of um, similar churches in a given area, that it would be a great opportunity for churches to do that together and to pool their resources so that um, a multitude of, of elders and pastors can share their wisdom from over the years with those who who aspire to the office of, of elder or deacon and give them the proper training that they need. But uh, regardless, I uh, I think it's important that elders understand uh, their role in that um, in terms of family visitation and that pastors uh, at least try to conduct some of those visits. Um, much may depend upon the pastor's schedule uh, or other pastoral work that must be done, such as counseling or visitation of the sick 
or the elderly, but uh, it's something that a, a, I think a body of elders should discuss at least and um, and seek their pastor's input as well. I think there are times where a pastor may want to make those visits, even if uh, the elders think that perhaps uh, that should be done almost exclusively by by the elders. But in terms of the practice of family visitation, I think it's important uh, to talk about preparation. Preparation for family visitation really is a key to a successful family visit. Um, If elders and pastors are simply winging it, so to speak, when they go to a person's house or a family's house, uh, they shouldn't expect that it's going to produce the kind of results they want. I think it's important, for example, for elders, at least on an annual basis, to highlight the things that they want to address in the course of the year making family visits. What are some of the key uh, issues or key concerns that need to be addressed? Um, I've also seen churches that will use a, a program or a, a theme for the year such as uh, the one another statements in uh, the epistles of the New Testament and how that could be applied to that family or to the life of the local congregation. You know, bear one another's burdens, love one another, greet one another, that sort of thing. Um, Again, I think there can be variations with that, but I think the theme at least keeps us on, on track uh, in terms of what we're trying to do with visitation. It's not merely a social visit. It is it is a pastoral visit. It is an extension of the pulpit. It is uh, an application of the ministry of the word in, uh, in the lives of God's people and an assessment of how effectively that's being done. So in terms of preparation, I've always encouraged elders and pastors, seminarians to um, to think long and hard about how they're going to conduct that visit. What sort of questions are they going to ask? And if necessary, to write those out, uh, to think about the different uh, topics that could be addressed, and to make sure they go in with a strategy. And I would include with that um, a passage of Scripture that they would read, preferably, I think, at the beginning of the visit so that uh, it stays on course. It's uh, easy for an elder or for a family to to sidetrack the discussion uh, and make it merely a social visit. Uh, but if we start with the reading of Scripture and talk about that Scripture and how that applies to the nature of the visit, uh, it could be a good way of keeping everyone on track and reminding them of the, the, the spiritual and pastoral purpose uh, of that visit. I also think it's important for an elder team that's going on a visit or a pastor and an elder, uh, when they arrive at the person's house or the family's house, that they uh, themselves, before they go into the house, it would be appropriate to offer a, a brief prayer asking for the Lord's blessing, asking for wisdom, asking for discernment, asking that they would uh, demonstrate a, a real pastoral heart uh, for the members of the congregation they're about to visit. I, I've had that experience with elders who are very thoughtful about that, and uh, I've appreciated very much that encouragement that takes place um, through that kind of prayer before a visit. And so when you make the visit, again, after introductions are made, uh, I think it's uh, important as well, I should mention this, 
as a way of pre- uh, preparing for the visit to make sure that the elders and the pastor know all the names of the family members, especially the children. I think it's very easy for um, for pastors and elders to uh, think only of the adults in the room, but there are children as well, and those children uh, are part of the visit as well. Uh, they need to be addressed. They need to be thought of. And so I, I think it would be... Uh, uh, entirely appropriate to to not only uh, know their names but also to speak to them and to assure them that uh, they are there to to uh, shepherd the children as well as the adults but after the introductions are made and the scripture is read I think what we want to talk about are uh, questions relating to the effectiveness of the preaching ministry. And I would encourage uh, elders and pastors to ask questions that don't require a simple yes and no sort of answer, uh, but one that uh, basically leads them into a further discussion or amplification of of what is being addressed. So for example, uh, I would not ask the question, has the, the preaching been uh, helpful or effective or useful in your spiritual life? I would ask how and what ways has the preaching ministry in our church been helpful in your spiritual life? Uh, giving the person or the people an opportunity to address that. Um, I would also talk about one's uh, devotional life, one's spiritual, personal spiritual life, or what some call family worship. Um, My father, who served as uh, an elder for many years, was accompanied by an older elder for a number of years who made a practice when they asked questions regarding family worship he would address those questions to the children. And the reason he did that was he knew that the children would always give a straight answer. So if he asked questions about, uh, is the Bible read every, every day? Is the Bible read at dinner time? And is there a time of family devotions? He knew that if he asked little children, they would give a straight yes or no answer, uh, whereas uh, an adult might be tempted to, uh, to skirt around it or say, well, for the most part, or yes, basically, the children always gave an honest and, and straightforward answer. Uh, I would also uh, think that it would be appropriate for elders to talk about um, how the family is functioning in terms of, of their, uh, their harmony, their unity as a family. Are there any struggles that they face uh, in terms of um, work issues or in terms of, of other struggles, whether they be of a spiritual nature or, or any other things that are going on in their lives? Perhaps there are problems uh, with the extended family that impinge upon the life of, of that family. And, um, and I think an elder would be wise to, uh, to discern that and to, to talk about that and to offer uh, resources for help, you know, to, to say, well, if, if you need to talk about that further, we can talk about that further sometime. Or if you'd like to speak to the pastor about that, we would encourage you to do that. Um, I think it's important also for the elders to talk about participation in the life of the local congregation. Um, what sort of ministries are you involved in at this time in the church? And if if there really is no involvement, it, it will be a time then of encouragement, um, maybe even stated more strongly, it'd be a time for exhortation. Um, to say, look, we we believe it's important for for the life of our congregation that we try to be involved as as much as we can, 
realizing that we have uh, many other commitments uh, in our lives, but uh, for the life of our church and the life of our families, it's important that we try to be involved in that. We, uh, we use our gifts. I think of uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 21, talking about the variety of gifts that God gives uh, to his people and how we are to use them for the building up of the body of believers, thinking of Ephesians chapter 4. Um, how are we doing that? What are the ways that we can serve? If you're not able to, to attend, say, Bible studies or, or other things, um, are there other ways that you can serve God's people? Maybe they maybe they are doing that, and uh, the elders are not just are not aware of that, and so it could be an opportunity again to encourage to to um, to strengthen them and to to show them uh, the needs of the congregation and opportunities for them to uh, enhance the life of the congregation. Um, I think also it would be an appropriate time to talk about opportunities for serving as council members, perhaps the husband and father, uh, depending on what age he is, where he's at in his Christian faith. Maybe he's someone who should be encouraged to aspire to the office of deacon or the office of elder, uh, discerning, is there uh, a desire to do that? I, I've observed in the past number of years that there are many men who are reluctant to serve, uh, and for a variety of reasons, and it is becoming increasingly difficult for our churches to find enough men to serve as elders and deacons, elders in particular. Um, and we have encountered a, a number of men, I have, in the pastorate who simply say to the elders, I don't want to serve. Um, maybe that will be an opportunity for further discussion, um, maybe without the children present. Maybe that's a discussion that ought to be had in terms of the reasons and the legitimacy of saying, I don't want to serve. And then with the children, uh, find out what's going on in the children's lives. Uh, what sort of things are they involved with? Do you know where they're going to school? If they're a high school age, what are their plans after high school? Are they involved in the uh, church's youth ministry? Uh, talk about how catechism classes have gone. Who is your teacher? What book are you using? Those sort of things to measure again and to assess um, how effective the ministry of the word uh, is. I think it's a great opportunity also uh, to challenge younger children. And, and by younger children, I mean those junior high age to at least start thinking about making a public profession of faith and if they are in high school and they have not made a public profession of faith, to talk about that again, not that we're pressuring them to do something they're not prepared to do, but at least to get them to think about that in terms of how they respond to the promises made to them and to their parents at their baptism. Um, I've often addressed that as a pastor, not simply in visitation, but I've done that at the beginning of the catechism year. Uh, it was my practice for many years to begin the catechism years by bringing my students to the, to the baptismal font in the sanctuary and explain to them what took place at their baptism, that it was a sign and seal of the covenant and that uh, God had made a promise to their parents and to them regarding his covenant, and that that promise also implied uh, a duty to respond, to respond in faith and obedience of commitment to Jesus Christ as one who has been set aside, consecrated, 
by the covenant relationship that we have. And so I would begin that way just to get them thinking about that. And I think that can be followed up at a, uh, a family visitation. Um, I think there also ought to be opportunity for uh, the family to bring up any concerns they have or any struggles that are they are facing and that they uh, request the, the prayers of, of the leadership of the church. Uh, I'd be very cautious about entertaining or um, looking for criticism, particularly of the pastor or the preaching, uh, which is not to say that the pastor is above criticism, but I think it would be very unwise, for example, simply to ask the question, do you have any complaints about the preaching of the word or do you have complaints about the pastor? I think uh, that sort of concern ought to be addressed in terms of, you know, are there, are there things about the, the preaching of the word that, that you could uh, uh, bring to our attention in terms of, of matters that uh, concern you, matters that you struggle with, um, so that it doesn't become uh, aimed personally at the pastor, but are there things about our preaching and teaching ministry where we could improve things that we're, we're not addressing, that we should be addressing, things of that nature? And that, I think, can be a very edifying uh, type of discussion rather than simply opening up uh, the opportunity to, to lay out one's criticisms and one's complaints or one's grievances and if there are such grievances or complaints, uh, I, I think a wise elder uh, will not simply circle the wagons around the pastor, so to speak, but that he'll address that in a wise and loving way, recognizing uh, the person's complaint or concern, but also making sure that when that concern is expressed to the broader body of elders at the next elders meeting, um, that he does so in a way that also protects the pastor and the integrity of his office. And uh, yeah, when those questions are, are asked um, and they're answered, then uh, we can close the meeting. Again, if, you, if an elder wants to close with a reading of Scripture, that would also be appropriate, uh, calling us to, uh, to service to one another, calling us to, to love the Lord Jesus Christ, and then a closing prayer asking for the Lord's blessing upon that family and their involvement in the local church. All of those things, I think, are, are important in terms of how we conduct those family visitations so that it doesn't simply turn into a social visit. I, I think so often um, elders, because of of lack of preparation or because they simply don't know how to conduct a visit properly, let it... Uh, degenerate into a, a, a social visit, or it simply becomes an airing of grievances. I, I think we want to avoid both of those extremes and make it something truly edifying and worthwhile. After all, um, the elders are taking a night out from their week. The family is carving out time from their schedule to meet. Let's make it worthwhile. Let's make it productive. And ultimately, we want to do it in a way that honors Jesus Christ and builds up his church.
Next time, we'll dive into the fascinating history of chaplaincy with Reverend Andrew Compton and Dr. Alan Strange, exploring how this important role has evolved over the centuries to become what it is today. In later episodes, we'll be joined by various guests who have firsthand experience in the world of chaplaincy, from those who have served as chaplains in corporate settings to those who have worked in prisons, hospitals, and beyond. We'll be hearing from diverse voices who will shed light on what it's like to work as a chaplain in different contexts. For more podcast episodes, you can find us on our website at midamerica.edu slash podcasts and wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Be sure to search for and subscribe to Mid-America Reformed Seminaries Roundtable. I'm Jared Luchibor. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.